Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Danny Green, Between the Ropes. This is the third and final episode. Previously, we spoke about the Marcus Bayer controversy. We relived a magic night against the legendary Roy Jones Jr. The story continues. From amazing highs, there were also some lows, Danny, in particular the Paul Briggs fight. So much controversy at the time. As you know it, what's the truth? Well, I guess, unfortunately for me, my um, role and me being, I was I was complicit in agreeing to fight Paul Briggs and that's where, <clears throat> um, I guess, uh, my part in that debacle in Australian boxing history uh, is. Paul Briggs approached, jumped in the ring after uh, the Roy Jones victory. He was next to you, commentating with you, and he jumped in. He went up to Justin Lucas, who was my manager and promoter of Green Machine Boxing, and said, I want to fight Green. Let's get it on. That night, on the 2nd of December, we fought in 2010, end of July. It was July 26, roughly. So he had in his mind that he wanted to fight me on the 2nd of December 2009. So... He was in good nick. He was training. He was a trainer on the on the contender series, et cetera, and, and he hadn't fought for two and a half years. So after that, I wasn't told for another two or three weeks, Justin, who I call Molly, didn't tell me anything, just let me enjoy my victory over Roy Jones, and then said, um, Briggs, he's, you know, put his, put his hand up and wants to fight. What do you reckon? I said, he hasn't fought for two and a half years. That's the first thing I said. And I said, look, he's... he's, he's He's a hell of a fighter. Um, I don't know. I, I was really unsure yep. because he'd been inactive. But he's the kind of fighter, he was the kind of fighter that could have had two and a half years in activity, come back and given anyone a very good scrap if he was on the job, if his mom was in the job. Agreed. Uh, and, you know, he was, a, he was a very, very good fighter. And so I said to Justin, let's look at um, if, if, if he's serious about this, he needs a warm-up fight. Because people want to see your warm up, they want to see him back in action. And if people go, yeah, 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 let's do it. Let, let, this would be a good fight. It makes sense. We want to see Granny fight Briggs. Then we'll put it on. But he's got to have a warm up fight. And this was in January, but all this is documented. This is in black and white as well. Yeah. We had him tested. We had him tested um, medically. I said because as a promoter, my company, we made sure we did our due diligence and had Paul Briggs tested with an MRI scan and a full medical, etc., by a doctor that we recommended so we knew we were getting it done properly. Yep. And so that was in February. We fought late July. He maintained that we only gave him five weeks' notice for the fight. He maintains that we didn't give him a warm-up or the option to have a warm-up fight. I insisted that he has a warm-up fight. It was my idea. I said, man, you got to fight first. He said, cool, no worries. Then they were going to put together a fight, and he, he contacted Justin and said, oh, I can't get up for a warm-up fight. I can only get up for the big ones. You know, I've been this fighter. I can only do the big one. I can only do the main event. And so, unfortunately, I agreed. And I, and I gave him too much credit as a person that he was going to be in top condition and, and, and not come in the condition that he was in. But I had no idea because when I saw him, um, he was physically 
at the fight after the Paul, after the Roy Jones fight, he looked like he was in good nick, etc. And he was claiming he wants to fight. So he knew he was he knew he wanted to fight me seven months prior to the fight. So me being a fighter, I know what I'm condition what condition I'm in. I'm a professional. And I know if I want to fight someone, I want to be in the best shape I can be in and give myself every opportunity. I thought that's what Paul Briggs was going to do coming into the fight. Until the night of the weigh-in and the night of the fight, I had absolutely no idea that Paul Briggs was doing anything other than coming to tear my head off. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Now, a lot of people have put the blame on me, and I put my hand up and said I was complicit in the part in part of the fight. I was 50% of the equation, 50%. I fought the guy. I agreed to fight him. But that's it. That's where the buck stops with me, man. Never, ever have any, has anyone said, well, is anyone going to ask his team who knew intimately what he was going through and what condition he was in physically, mentally, and emotionally? They all knew. But I was never rung up. People have thrown a lot of mud and said, you know, this, this, this should have gone ahead. Green knew what was going on. Well, if those people cared to call me, if they truly cared about Paul Briggs, they would have called me and said, hey, mate, you can't do this. And I would have listened. I would have listened to people who knew. Yep. We, we signed the contract nearly three months, two and a half months out from the fight. But it was, it, I can't remember exactly because it's a decade ago, Andy, but I'm going, it, it, it's at least eight weeks before the fight. But we've spoken about this. We've had Briggs tested in February. Yeah. He knows he's going to fight if he gets through. He knows he's going to fight. So the bloke, from what I thought he was a professional fighter. He was a real fighter. He'd be training the whole way through, especially being inactive. He's really going to get himself in shape. Yep. Wasn't the case. But we didn't know this, but his team knew, and they never told us, and they never told him, and they never had the finger pointed at them in their role in the debacle. So then gets close to the fight. It was eight weeks out. We were going to announce the fight on Foxtel. On a, I think it was a Danny Gill show out, out west. And so he was there. I was there. He didn't get into the ring. He forgot to get in the ring. Or he, he was talking to someone and missed the cue and didn't get in the ring with me to announce the fight. So Fox still didn't announce it. They're like, he's fucked it up. It was a balls up. We we're both staying at the star. We we're both, by pure chance, we're on the same level. And we both got out of the lift at the same fucking time. Walked down and we we're walking together. And he was down one end. And, 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 and I said, well, all the best, mate. Good luck. And he come to, and he shook my hand. He said, I'm coming for you. You know that. I said, I expect nothing less. Good luck, mate. And we fucking parted ways. Last time I saw it, the commission, the New South Wales commission, Denied the fight about five weeks out. We had to scramble and try and get the fight in Western Strikers. The fight was selling very, very well because people thought that was going to be a barn burner. They thought me and Briggsy were going to punch shades at each other. Yep. And so they moved the flat. They didn't give him um, uh, a, a license because they said he's been in- inactive and they've heard rumours that he, you know, that he that he wasn't well. But we provided medical uh, proof. He had the MRI and it was 100% all clear and a medical 100% all clear so we could only they're, they're only going off hearsay and in fact I can't say that they're actually they made the right decision because what happened he was still it had nothing to do with them making this Paul Briggs was actually hit with a punch and it's impossible for me to say that without people going are oh, you fucking dreaming but we had an, a, a team of a chiropractor and a team of experts tech experts channel seven the next day because i was losing my mind going there's no way this can happen i said because my knuckle after the fight my left knuckle was 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 swollen from the from the shot 
and it hit him right between the eyes as he's fallen onto it. He's come forward, I've gone bang. He threw one left hook, I rolled under it because I knew he was going to come hard early. And then he's come forward, I've gone bang, him, the jab. The jab's hit him in the, in the head and it's gone so quick. And because he was coming forward, almost falling onto it, it's ricocheted off his head. It's snapped his neck kind of in a really awkward position. And we slowed it down to so many per, per frames per second. It was so slow. You could see it. And the Cairo goes, that is a classic brainstem injury. I'm not surprised he was he was he was concussed. When he was on all fours, he was looking at Angela Hyder by chance and hates it. Mate, he was fucked. His eyes were rolling around his head. Paul Briggs was actually hit with the shot. So I was so angry because you're so emotional yeah. and your adrenaline was pumping. I could have got hit. I could have got hit. You saw what I took in there, mate, and I didn't react. When I was getting battered, I didn't react. So you could have hit me with a fucking barstool and I would have eaten it up and smiled at you. Yeah. So when, when that happens, you don't realize you, you didn't feel a thing. I'm like, fuck. He's just rolled over. I was so angry, called him a dog after the fight, blah, blah, blah. I was, you know, I said he's a canine and 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 said, um, you know, because I was disgusted with what we took on. Because the night before that, we were supposed to weigh in at 84 kilo, weighs in at 87. Billy Hussain rang me, rang Justin when I was in my garage playing ping pong, losing weight in my sweatsuit, as I do, to make the weight because I'm a pro. And he said, are you losing the weight, Molly? And then Greeny, he goes, Greeny's losing the weight now. He's in his sweatsuit losing weight playing pong. Yeah, of course we are. Billy goes, cool, no worries. From all reports, Briggs hopped out of the sauna after 10 minutes. He goes, I can't be fucked. I'm just going to weigh in. No problem. I didn't know that. Three or four weeks out, Angelo's getting phone calls from Briggs's team saying, Briggs, he's just knocked another guy out. You better fucking watch out. Because I won't name who it was, but H spoke to someone in Briggs's team and they were going very close to the team saying, Briggs is looking really fucking good. Now, we had no idea what was going on. All we knew was getting this. Inf- we're getting information. I'm six weeks away from my family in Sydney training for a fight. If I thought it was going to be an easy fight, I would have just trained at home and just gone, yeah, cool, no problem, and yeah. and, and eating yeah. fucking hamburgers and not running around the block and just gone, yeah, no worries. And so when we got to the fight, got to the way and he weighed in overweight, and I was like, oh, and he and he looked out of shape, and he looked he looked ordinary. He's like, I was just frustrated beyond words, but I had to let, put that out of the mind because we didn't know what they were doing, whether they were playing more more mind games, which yeah. they're playing the whole way up. After the fight, we find out he's walked to the wrong car after training. He's but he got bowled over by a fucking amateur in sparring, and he was performing very poorly. There were strong reports that he was taking a lot of drugs during the preparation. There was that was speculation that there was a lot of drugs involved, and then the fight happened, and you saw it happen in the fight. And I had no, yeah, I'm I'm still it's it really really affects me because it left it left a, a, a stain on my reputation. All I knew was that I was going into a fight with a guy that was a warrior, that was a shell of himself now, but it was had masqueraded as a fighter from December through to end of July and then lied through the inquiry. They had an inquiry. I had a fucking four-hour interview with the private investigators that were running the inquiry that was a former police commissioner here in WA. He cleared us after. He said, I'm sorry you are going to go through this, boys. We've got all the information we need from you. You've been more than helpful and dead straight. Everything's above board. You've got nothing to answer. And then they... Kept going with Briggs' interview, and he lied his whole. He lied the whole way through it. Said we only gave him five weeks. That's a complete lie. He said they wouldn't allow me to have a warm-up fight. That's a complete lie. Briggs had now has, and by his own admission, has been very badly affected by drugs. Yeah. And by his own admission, you know, he, I, he, he's, he's mentally, you know, he's, he's said he's been in some really dark places. But I think that comes from, 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 you know. When you when you when you behave that way and and you treat people that way, then something's got to give. 
Danny, the saddest part for me is the tone in your voice all these years later that it still hurts and it still haunts you. Well, what haunts me is the fact that I didn't get to, 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 to fight Paul Briggs in our prime and knock him out because people in the boxing industry know Angela Hyder was there, Billy Hussain actually caught Paul Briggs' head when it was going through the ropes when I knocked him out. We sparred before the Costa Zoo fight and Jesse James Leia fight in 2003. We were both in the cart. He flew up from Melbourne. I was in Sydney. Came to the Merrickville gym. We sparred. We did six rounds. It was hard going. Briggs is a tough guy. I was super middleweight. He was light heavy. It was hard going. There was a big crowd there because it was fucking people should have charged. It was. And people saw what happened. I was chipping away though. First two or three rounds tough. Then I started, then I started hurting him. Round four, round five, I started hurting him. Round six, round seven, I'm hurting him. He's wearing down. I'm on him. We've got 16 ounce gloves and he's got a head guard on. Round eight in the corner, I slip one of his jabs and come through with a little 45 right in the button. His legs went below him. He was gone. He was knocked out. Not hurt, not wobbled, not concussed. Fucking knocked out. Wow. Jeff being Jeff, very smart. How do I get this publicized? I don't want to tell people. How do I get how do I how do I let people know that Greenie just knocked Briggsy out? Get someone to fucking get to sleep at a call. The radio station just saw this happen. Anonymous call. The radio called me. I talk about it respectfully because I'm yeah. that's who I am. But all these years later, you know, I should have fucking jumped up and down and go, yeah, I knocked the fucking guy out. Yeah. I handled Paul Briggs. And so for me, I handled him in 20 rounds of sparring. I knocked him out with 16 ounce gloves on. For me, I wish I'd fought the guy as a super middleweight and he could be heavyweight because I knew I had his number. I handled Paul Briggs. Tough guy, good fighter. Wasn't easy, but I handled it. If, if Briggs wants to dispute that, no problem. You can dispute that and you can lie through your fucking teeth again, but there's too many people who saw what happened. I knocked him out. And so I felt very comfortable fighting, but I knew that it was going to be a tough fight and when you got 10 ounces on, it could be a different story, but I've already knocked him with fucking te- with 16s, but it was, made, made sense. And, and the fact that it sold very well on pay-per-view. Pubs and clubs sold really well and the homes sold really well and the Perth Stadium sold out in a heartbeat yeah. when we moved it to Perth two weeks before the fight. Proves that people wanted to see that fight. And that's what fight. That's what you do as a fighter. You're a prize fighter. You put the fights on that people want to see and it was proven people wanted to see that fight. They wanted to see yeah. me and Paul Briggs fight. But I had, I had 50% part in that fight by agreeing to do it. Green Machine Boxing promoted it, but that means nothing. We had a due diligence done with Paul Briggs. His team intimately knew exactly what condition he was in physically and mentally. People around him knew exactly what was going on, but they were just happy to go with the ride, mate. They were happy to get paid. They were happy to be part of the fucking circus. And then, unfortunately, my name was dragged into the mud with the whole funeral. But I, I, I sleep at night knowing that I had no role to play. There was nothing untoward. Another fact is that there was an investigation into the betting of the fight. So before the fight, there was some people that were around his people, some crew that were around Briggsy. I'm not going to mention names, but it's not fucking a secret. They loaded up on a fucking first round knockout. Late on that evening before the fight started, they all loaded up on a first round knockout. I can't remember where the betting was suspended on. I've never, on my father's ashes, I've never bet on a fight on myself in my life. I've bet on two fights in my entire life. Uh, one was Mike Tyson when he fought Lennox Lewis and I put 100 bucks on to win. And I lost my money because he didn't knock him out. I put him 100, 100 bucks on the nose to win by points. And the other fight, I put I, I won about two and a half grand on Mundine when he fought Rabchenko. Because I, th- I thought, no, Mundine's going to beat this bloke. So I fucking won on, Rabchen- went on Mundine and Rabchenko. The only two fights that I've ever put money on in my entire life. But I know that after the fight, there was a big investigation because the, all these guys around their camp 
loaded up on the first round on Briggsy to get knocked out in the first round because they fucking knew intimately what condition he was in. Turns out now the bloke had trouble walking to the fucking car. But we didn't know that. We were told he's knocking guys out. He looks amazing. He's yeah. fucking training the house. This is going to be a war. Now, as a fighter, I went away from my family for six weeks, got brain damage, fucking preparing for the fight, and then sacrificed all that time away from my kids. I never get that six weeks back. And then what happens in the fight? So as you can tell, mate, it upsets me greatly. But what upsets me is that Paul Briggs still has never put his hand up and gone, yeah, I fucked up. I did the wrong thing. I shouldn't have taken the fight. I should have been I should have been straight, but I needed the money. That's okay, mate. You need the money. I'd have given you the fucking money. No problem. Pay me back. Don't get how long it takes. We're fighters. I'll do that. You're a fucking warrior. But now I've lost all respect for Paul Briggs. And he still lies to this day about it. He still goes on. But they're the facts, Andy. Anything else is a fucking, anything else is a myth. Anything else is fabricated. And this is in black and white. So it's a sad chapter in boxing in my life. And it's something that I, that I always get asked about. And it takes a long time to answer because it can't, I can't just go, oh, yeah. And then when people go, oh, you, you actually hit him? Yeah, I fucking hit the guy. The guy, and, and Paul Briggs didn't actually lie down. He didn't take a dive. He was actually hit with a punch. Mm. It's called a brainstem injury, mate. It's called a, it's, and, and so in fairness to Briggs, he didn't actually take a dive. He was just in terrible fucking condition and he shouldn't have been there. But his team, the, 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 the blame, has to lie with his team as well. Blame doesn't lie on me, man. The, t- the blame lies with his fucking team who never, ever, ever cared for him. The Antonio Tarver and Christoph Vladarczyk fights were emotional nights. They were really tough nights, mate. You were beaten and you were hurt those nights. By this stage in your life, you're a father. You're a husband, you're a son. How difficult was that for the Green family? Because it is a very close family to sit there and watch you getting hurt on a, on a big stage. How tough was that? Yeah, the Tarver fight was tough, mate. It was tough, you know, it was... He's a, he's a fucking shrewd guy, very, very shrewd guy in his dealings and the negotiations, mate. He's fucking smart. I learned from that bloke. Wow. He taught me a few lessons. Taught me a few lessons in, 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 in negotiating and, you know, yeah, Antonio, he, he, he's, um, he's an interesting cat and uh, I was worried about, once again, I had to pay a lot of money to get Antonio Tava and I paid the money. Um, my promoter paid the money to get him out here and, and it cost a lot to get him out here. Yeah. And uh, it turns out um, you live and learn. It turns out that he wasn't the seller that we thought he was going to be. He wasn't the commodity that we anticipated he was going to be in Australia. And it didn't really sell well. So my house was, again, on the line. A lot of money at stake. And so I was really, really worried about promoting the fight and um, making sure that there was, a, there was enough people in the venue to cover costs. Yeah. So that really... Was, was playing my mind. And that's one aspect of my career that could have been different um, as far as being the promoter, my company promoted. And I, and I always got, I'm a fucking control freak, mate. So I got really involved and yeah. I learned not to, you know, I, should have, I should not have been involved as much as I, as I should have, as I was. And so when by the time the bell went, um, you know, my mind uh, was, I was physically okay. That's why I was able to keep going. Mentally but, um, burnt. You know, I, I was mentally burnt out and wow. mentally not, 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 not focused on, 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 Beating Antonio Tava, I was focused on beating, but I was also focused on on making sure that the, that that we got people on, in the venue and, and people were buying on TV, to, you know, to you know save myself from losing a shitload of shitload of money. As and that's what you do as a pro; you don't you don't lose money as a fighter. Um, and so, yeah, I was basically just 
eating punches and walking onto them. And it was a really, really tough night, mate. It was, it was, it was, a, it was an experience that uh, I don't really reflect on much and don't really go back on much because it was, it was a, a forgettable night for me. Um, and then, you know, my brother ended up, you know, throwing the towel in after round nine and I was dirty. I said before my fight, I said, if anyone throws the fucking towel, you better run because I know you, I'm coming for you. But you understood. And I was, dirty. I was dirty for a couple of hours, but he's my brother. He loves me and I get it. I totally get it. I would have done the same thing if it was him. So he made the right choice because I was going to get knocked out. Yes. Um, and uh, that was it. And so then, yeah, my family, were, you know, the old man was like, mate, you've been doing this for a long time. That was not a good performance. And I was like, Dad, I took a lot of time to reflect and took a time to take a break. I said, Dad, it's not, it's not the best I've got, mate. I was all over the place mm. mentally. I was, a, I, was a, I, was a, I was a dickhead. I had my head up my ass that fight. Mm. Well, first to say I had my head up my ass. And then the Vladarchek fight, I was like, you know what? I know I'm better than that. Yeah. So I chose a fucking bigger and better bloke than Tarver and went after Vladarchek and brought him out here. Yep. And um, in the very next fight, and, uh, and I knew what I had against, what I showed against Tarver wasn't the best that I had. Yeah, agreed. I knew, that I, had, I, knew I had more in the tank. And then I, I proved it. But unfortunately, um, his left hook, um, you know, put paid to, 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 a, to a, a bit of a fairy tale victory. Um, but I was dominating the bloke, nearly, not, nearly put him away in round five and was just dominating. But he's a tough guy and he was patient. And he hurt me bad with a broken nose, broke my nose badly in round nine. And then um, round 11, you know, halfway through the round, he, he threw a beautiful left hook and that's boxing, that's the game. And that's, that was his class, his patience. He knew he'd hurt me, he knew he'd slow me down. And, uh, but they were very, very surprised, very shocked about they were literally losing their world title on the, in, a, in an opponent's backyard against this pissant small little cruiserweight, blowing up like heavyweight really. Yeah. And um, they were shocked, and it was a real. They were. It was like they won the lottery when land their left hook. It was, a, but it was a beautiful shot, and it wasn't. Wasn't there was nothing lucky about it. He threw a beautiful shot, and turned my lights out, and that was. But I was very, very proud to get off the ground and beat the count. I beat the count, yeah. on blood everywhere and all over the referee, and I fell face first in the referee. But I beat the count. That's something I'm very proud of, mate. Beating the count, but I, I couldn't go on. The ref made the decision. I always used to do, because I thought it was the right thing to do, when a mate was in a fight, in particular when they lost, I would make the effort to go into a losing dressing room to check the welfare and to reaffirm my support. It was after Antonio Tarver. I came in, really quick chat with you, gave you a pat on the back and a hug. You messaged me the next day with a really emotional, sincere and, and wonderful message. Just saying thanks. And it actually upset me when I got to thinking because at the time a guy needs more support, a losing dressing room is a very, very lonely place. It seems the majority in this sport only want to associate with the winner. There's a a lot of insincerity uh, and a lot of backslapping in the sport of boxing and and not a lot happens in a, a loser's dressing room. It's a um, it's a very good word, mate. Insincerity. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'd like to think my change rooms, um, win, lose, or draw, the, the 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 core group were always there. Um, but yeah, when when you win, there's a lot more in the room. But when you lose, it's pretty quiet. So yeah, I remember that, Andy. And and, and although I was pretty pretty concussed, I do remember it, and remember the people that come into my room, and uh, I like to. 
think that I, I made a point of going out of my way to remember that and acknowledge that because it's respect. You showed me respect and that's what people do, mate. You know, good people go and console people who, are, you know, had a loss or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, and that's, that's yeah, I, I remember that. I'm glad you remember that too. That's, um, that's, that's fucking cool. And yeah. the fact that, you know, you, you had that because, you know, people don't realise you, you, you're very intimate. Very, you have a very intimate knowledge of what a fighter goes through yep. you know you're there at the weigh-in you're there at the fucking press conference you're there in the lead-up you're there in the interviews before the fight oh. you know you 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 the commentator like yourself is a big part of what the fighters go through and then you watch it and you hear it yeah what a lot of people don't realize when they're watching tv is the noise of a fight and the smashing of of of, of, of heads and the yeah. smashing of bodies and when the heads clash, the head butts and the elbows, and you, you hear it, you know it, you can feel it, so you know what we go through. So yeah, when that happens, mate, it, it means a lot to a fighter when you come in and, and, and pay your respects. The more I delve into professional athletes and how they function, it seems it's really important to be selective with your circle of trust. You elite level guys keep that circle of trust very small, a select group of longtime mates and family. How important is it? Yeah, it's it's um, very very important, and it's I guess before the fight, you know, you're so revved up, you're so hyped up, but you're um, you know you're you're in a, you just want to be surrounded by people that make you feel comfortable. Okay. So I had my mates, I had my brother in my corner. My brother was never my trainer, mm. but he's in my corner because he's my brother. And I love the bloke, and yep. he he makes me feel comfortable. He's you know he's one of the funniest people I know. Yes. He's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's, he's with my son, he's, my father's gone there, so he's with my son, he's your best mate. And so to have that person with me, um, I call him, the, and because he's shorter than me and he cops it all the time, I call him my Shetland pony. So, um, <laughs> you know, they put a Shetland pony with a racehorse to calm him down. He's yeah. my Shetland pony. Um, and, but, yeah, to have, that, to have him there and then have him in the corner with me and, you know, it's like, you know, I know my brother's with me. Although he's not in there with me, I know yeah. he's there. And he, he doesn't like watching me get hit. He hates it as well. And, um, you know, my father would always come in the change rooms and just say good day. And he'd be nervous. He'd bite his nails and fucking, you know, grit his teeth and chewing gum and, you know, before. And I, I used to really enjoy saying to my old man, I'd give him a hug before he go. He's right out. He'd go, right, I'm going to go now. Because he wouldn't hang around much. He'd just yeah. let me do my thing. You know, old man, he's old school. Come in, I'd give him a hug and say, Dad, I've got this, mate. I've got yeah. this. So, mate, go and relax, mate. So it made me feel so powerful yep. calming down my dad, you know, who was a guy that was always calming me down. <laughs> a blowing's just someone who wants to come in and, and pat you back and say good day, but they don't give a flying fuck about you or who you are. Or you, and you, if you lose, you don't see the blowing. So no. I only want the people in there that are there, win, lose, or draw. When you finally hung up the gloves, was it an easy transition? Uh, a lot of boxers, a lot of athletes missed the adrenaline rush. How did you transition? I think when I fought Cameron and, and beat Shane Cameron, yep. I remember you after the fight, you said, uh, you know, you, you, you intimated this this may be the last we've seen of him. You know, I think the last thing I said was I'm going to be an Aussie and get in the cans of the boys. Yeah. That was the last thing I said. I said, you know, thanks very much. Catch that. And I wasn't sure whether I was going to fight again. So I had a two and a half year break before yes. I fought again. But there was always that itch scratching me about yeah. beating Chuck. Yep. And financially, my prize fighters, but guys, oh, you just did it for the money. Yeah, no shit. Or do you get out? Do you go to work nine to five because you love your boss? No, you do it because that's what you do. That's your job. That's how you pay your bills. Yep. And it's the same thing. I do. 
Yep. So for me, it made sense to capitalize and also capitalize on the brain damage that I know I've accrued over the years. Yeah. Well, I might as well make it pay. And, and, and more than anything, just when, that's why I, I just need to get that victory. And so um, I came back after that. So I transitioned during the Cameron fight. And when I came back and fought Balonte, I'd, I'd had that two and a half years where I set my business up, set my future up with what I want to do to pay my bills moving forward with the gymnasium. So I set up Green Zone Fitness. I've never officially retired, but I'm never fighting again. Yeah. So my last, what happened, and then after that, I was already doing, I already transitioned before I'd had my last fight. So that made it easier. So once again, my old man gave me some great advice. He said, move into something and transition well before you finish boxing if you can, because it'll make it easier after. Good advice. He didn't actually say that as such, but that's, I know that's what my old man was meaning. Yep. I know yep. that's what he meant. And so, yeah, it was it was a it was a, a smoother transition that I had if I had not done it prior to that previously for a couple of years. But I always miss that adrenaline. Like, how do you bottle that feeling of walking out to the stadium? How do you bottle that, Andy? You can't. And I'll never ever. You can't replicate it. Nah. There's no drug. There's no. There's no activity. There's no sport for me that I'm unless I took off on a. Unless I took off on a 50-foot wave and got barreled on a 50-foot wave, yeah. that's the only thing that possibly give me that same feeling. Yep. So I'll always miss it and I'll always be competitive and I'll always think, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe one more, maybe one more. I think most fighters go through that until they fucking die. Are you concerned for your own health in the future, Danny? Because you just mentioned it in that last answer, that, uh, you know, the brain damage that some boxers, you know, do suffer and sadly suffer. To say I'm not concerned would be a lie. Okay. Yep. I mean, I've been getting punched in the face since I was 12 years old. I started karate and then kickboxing and then boxing. So from a young age, I've been taking punishment physically in my body, but also more so in the brain. And, you know, you grow up around, you grew up, well, I did, 12, 13, I grew up around violence, around fighting, around hard men, around dangerous men around fighting around all that stuff combat sport contact sport yep. you know getting knocked out knocking people out hurting people getting hurt so violence as such is I'm just desensitized to it yep I'm just you know I just I don't really think much of it I don't really it doesn't register my radar of violence I hate seeing people knocked out in public though yeah I hate seeing that. And people when I see you blokes getting knocked out on TV. I don't like seeing that. No. I hate seeing it. I really don't like it. So that type of violence, I hate seeing. But my, the only, my own experience is is for, you know, shit over 30 years. Yeah. It's been, has been, you know, violence as such. So the brain damage, yeah, it does, you know, you, 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 I do worry a lot. And I think, what, are we, what, what, am, what am I going to be like in 10 years' time when I'm nearly 58? Am I still going to be with it? I don't know that, Andy. I can't answer that question, but I do know one thing that that is a fact. I will suffer. Um, uh, I don't think my end is going to be that pretty. But I'm realistic. And that's the dice that I rolled. And um, would I do it again? I, I, I say now, yes. But let's, I, I'd readdress that question if I had the ability when I was 100. If I make, you know, but I'm not making 100, mate. I ain't making, I don't reckon I'm making, I'll be lucky to make 65. 
you know, but that's that's the that's that's the game, mate. That's that's the sport, and that's the life that I've chose to lead. And I can't turn the clock back. I wish I could. If it if it, if the demise is going to be fucking uh, very ordinary, so um, you know, I just gotta just gotta uh, hope that um, it's it's not you know too early and too critical. But um, that's reality, mate. If if people don't want to face it, then you know that's their choice. That's their prerogative. It's not a nice thing to think about. But I do know that I'm going to suffer. Um, the consequences of, of over 30 years of, of, of combat. That's sad. I don't know if you call it a sad reality or what. I've got tears in my eyes just hearing that. Does, does it scare you? Are you scared of the future? doesn't so much scare me. Um, it's more... It's more... Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know, Andy. I really don't know, mate. I I, 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 I try not to think about it too much. Try just not to think about it, mate. I just try and just make sure that I tell my kids and try and just guide them and give them as many, many lessons as I can. Because I know that um, I I want to always be able to do that. What are you most proud of as a boxer and as a man? Plenty of things I'm not proud of. But then my, my son had a, a school, um, a, a little bit of an assignment at school, and it said uh, one of the questions was, and his teacher sent it to me, he didn't show me, but his teacher sent it to me, forwarded it to, forward it to me, he said, I thought you'd like to see this. And uh, it said, um, who was your idol? And, uh, and, and, and those kind of questions. And, and, and of course, you, you, your son chooses their father, but... Yeah. He's, he chose me, but you know what he said, the words that he used um, in, in saying that uh, they, I made a lot of mistakes, mate, and you know I could have been a better example many times throughout my life, you know, to my children as well. As fathers, you live and learn, mate. Mm. But um, when, when you read that and you know that you've had that impact on your son's life and your daughter's life, you know my daughter, she's, you know, you, hopefully they they'll, they'll look back and, and and hopefully I've given them the right lessons and and they've learned from my mistakes. Often say, mate, don't be like me. Don't do what I do. Don't do that. That's not right. That's, you know, you do it, Dad. Not right, mate. You know, so it's hard. But, yeah, I think that's the proudest thing is reading that. Just just last week, it was only a week ago, I read that. I was like, and he and he didn't know that the teacher said anything. I was like, oh, man, this fucking melted my heart. You know, I wanted, I wanted to go and pick him up from school and just give him a big hug there and there, there and there on the spot. That's brilliant. And it doesn't surprise me that coming from such a close family that what you're most proud of is your family. Danny, a wonderful career. We've had a wonderful working relationship and friendship. The sport of boxing was on its knees prior to your arrival. And with a new generation, you're one of very few who I believe saved it. Your achievements will long be remembered, but more importantly, how you achieve them won't be forgotten. Danny Green, you, sir, are a legend. <laughs> Andy, mate, boom back at you. Much appreciated. And, and, you know, I'll always look back with such fondness. And, and listening to the fights um, is as exciting and, and, and as, as, as alluring for me to watch the fights, to listen to them, because you just enhanced what I did. I worked so fucking hard and we trained so hard and we sacrificed so much. And then to have it, because I've been let down with commentary, put on some great shows and not the ones the ones you weren't in, I've been let down. And they've always been the ones that you weren't in, the shows and the fights that you were on that you commentated. You just 
you put the cream on top of the fight. For me to watch back and replay and have my kids listen to it, you probably don't realise how important it is, but people listen, they hear and they register and they can be influenced, particularly children. So when they hear someone like, they hear you talking about me in such high regard and, 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 and enhancing and putting the cream on top of the hard work and the sacrifice I'm doing, that's pretty fucking special, Andy. So I have a lot to thank you for, mate, for throughout my career, for the calls that you did, which just absolutely enhanced what I did. It's been a pleasure to be a very small part of the story. We hope you enjoyed Danny Green Between the Ropes on the Legends series. Next week, we speak with Rugby League royalty Laurie Daly. It's Prize Week on Andy Raymond Unfiltered with 10 truckers hats to give away. To win, simply be one of the first 10 people on Apple Podcasts to leave a five-star rating and review. Screenshot it and email it to mailbox at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. It's that simple. Come back soon, legends. Legends.